The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. I want to welcome you today to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church, which is located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCool, and I serve as pastor of Zion Primitive Baptist Church. We are a congregation of believers in the sovereign grace of God where families worship together through the simple practice of preaching, praying, and singing. If you live in this area or are visiting here, we would love to have you attend worship services with us. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. and every Sunday evening at 5 p.m. and the first and third Wednesday evenings at 6.30 p.m. I'm happy to note that our daily podcast is featured on Grace Alone Radio, which you can find at gracealoneradio.net. You can find the schedule on the website, and you can also download an app to your phone so that you can listen wherever you are. Grace Alone Radio is a 24-hour streaming service which carries the message of God's sovereign grace around the clock and around the world. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. That's near the intersection of County Road 49 and Alabama Highway 159, about 10 miles north of Gordo, Alabama, and about 8 miles northeast of Reform, Alabama. If you're interested in finding more sermons, you can go to our website at zionpbc.com, that's z-i-o-n-p-b-c.com, where you'll find all of our posted sermons as well as a link to subscribe to our podcast. You can also subscribe to our website which will update you every time a new sermon is posted. Today's sermon is part six of our introduction to the book of Revelation. In this sermon, Elder Buddy Abernathy continues dealing with the first several verses of the first chapter of Revelation. In these verses in particular, we read some basic fundamental truths that we should never lose sight of as we read the rest of Revelation. Join us today as Brother Buddy continues in this series on the book of Revelation. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit.
from Jesus Christ who is the faithful witness. And I want to spend a little time on this one. You know, I figure if I have trouble understanding things, and you know, I, I wasn't that smart in school, so if I have trouble understanding things, I'm just going to assume maybe you have some trouble with it. Maybe you already get it. But I always had problems with this expression here. Notice he says, uh, from Jesus Christ who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead. What does that mean? There are several places we can illustrate this. Jesus is the first begotten of the dead. Sometimes you'll see the word firstborn. One place he's referred to as the first fruits. But look first at Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 14. Colossians 1 and 14, referring to Jesus, and here we go again, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. The Bible tells us over and over that you're saved by the blood of Christ and you're going to heaven. So if you get afraid about something you read in Revelation, that's not the purpose of the book, by the way. But if you do get afraid about something you read there, you can say, well, this, this is symbolic language I don't understand, but there's all kind of verses I do understand that teach me I'm going to heaven because of Jesus, period. But notice here, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist. Notice what he says there. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. Now let's read a couple of others and then we'll try to give some explanation on this. Here's one that's real easy. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. This is the longest discussion of the resurrection in the New Testament. 1 Corinthians 15. It makes no reference, as far as I can remember, to the Resurrection of the unjust, that doesn't mean there's not a resurrection of the unjust. That just means Paul's not concerned about the resurrection of the unjust. You know, if, if you're interested in the resurrection of the unjust, we need to believe that truth. Paul said in Acts 24, 15, we believe that there shall be a resurrection of the dead, both of the just and the unjust. But as children of God, we're not very interested in the resurrection of the unjust. 
Well, here in 1 Corinthians 15, notice in verse 20, he's speaking of the resurrection. He says, now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. He is the prominent. He is the, at the forefront. He's the most important. Without him, there would be no more fruits in the sense of this verse. Paul discusses that in detail. You go back and read the first portion of 1 Corinthians 15. And he, goes, he makes great emphasis to the fact that if Christ be not raised, we're yet in our sin. Our preaching's vain, and your faith is vain, and even those of your relatives, putting this in my words, even those of your relatives that have died are perished. They're ruined. They're eternally separated if there be no resurrection of Christ. But he's the first fruits of them that slept. Notice also here in uh, 1 Corinthians 15 uh, what he says in verses... Uh, 22 and 23, for as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive, but every man in his own order. Christ the firstfruits, afterward they that are Christ at his coming. If Christ was not raised from the dead, then no one would be raised from the dead at his coming. There would be no benefit to be had at his coming, if he had not been raised from the dead. And then look at one more. Well, let's just quote this one, and then we'll look at one more. You know Romans eight twenty nine, For whom he did foreknow, them he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he, that is Jesus, might be the firstborn among many brethren. See, he's at the forefront. He's the most important. There would be no benefit to his children if it wasn't for him. He's the firstborn he, uh, among many brethren. And then Hebrews chapter 12, verse 22. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 22. Listen to this. I really like these verses. But ye are come unto Mount Zion, and unto the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn. This is not the local church here. Usually the word church in the Bible is referring to the local church, but here's one of those few places that it's not because this is the church of the firstborn, the general assembly, which are written in heaven and to God, the judge of all. And what do we come to here in this church? He says in this church, we're come to the spirits of just men made perfect. What's in heaven prior to the resurrection with regard to those that have already passed from this life, we're come to the spirits of just men made perfect. I realize that there's a sense in which, when we're, in which we're not complete 
until we're body, soul, and spirit. But the idea here is even before the bodily resurrection, when you die and pass to heaven, sin's not bothering you anymore. The spirits of just men made perfect. Think of all the people that we have lost that you know during the pandemic, those that have passed away uh, just from natural causes, all the, the deaths that we know about in this church. You know what they are now? They're not sleeping in the grave. They're the spirits in heaven. They're the spirits of just men made perfect. You know who's one of those just men are? Lot. <laughs> Doesn't that encourage you that Lot, as, as ungodly as he uh, lived, the Bible says that he was a just man. It doesn't matter what my opinion is or whether I say I don't see how that could be true. If the Lord says he is, he is. He was a just man and living down there in Sodom and Gomorrah, it vexed his righteous soul daily. Your soul is not vexed unless you're a child of God. The wicked love this world, love wallowing in the sin of this world, but it vexed uh, Lot's soul day by day until it was just fully uh, overwhelmed and worn down as far as his sens sensitivity to sin was concerned. But now he's one of those just men made perfect. That gives me hope that maybe I'll be there. So you see, when... John writes in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 4, or rather verse 5, he says, And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead, he's speaking of the one who is of foremost significance with regard to the resurrection. And the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, and hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. Now what does it mean to say that we have been made kings and priests? Well, look at Revelation chapter 20 when you think about that word uh, kings. Revelation chapter 20 and verse 6. Blessed and holy is he that hath uh, part in the first resurrection, on such the second death hath no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. Now, we're not going to get into this chapter yet, but the point I want you to see from this is it refers to God's people with regard to that thousand years. It refers to them as reigning. He says, they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him. See, Jesus is our king. And he says there's a sense in which we reign with him. And certainly that's a good way to address this persecuted church, isn't it? That yet it doesn't seem like you're reigning here on earth, does it? But he says you're reigning with 
Christ. And again, we're not going to talk about that thousand years yet, but look also at um, 1 Peter chapter 2. This, this really describes the practical application of this idea that we are kings and priests unto God. Now this is speaking of life in the church. He says, Ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. You see, the, the hundreds and hundreds of years of that Old Testament worship, where they were always making sacrifices, and the priest went into the holiest of holies once a year to make a sacrifice, were all training the minds of God's people that the spotless Lamb of God would come and take away the sins of the world. But now, as Peter is writing this side of the cross, that's not part of our worship. But there's a spiritual parallel to it. We're not offering animal sacrifices, but notice what he says. We're like lively stones... We're built up like a spiritual house. We're like a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God. When you sing, when you pray, when you feel the Spirit in the preaching and you rejoice in the Lord and thank the Lord for the truth, you're offering up as a priest, you're offering up spiritual sacrifices to God. Men, women, and children are priests in that sense. And then, back to Revelation 1, verse 6, He's made us kings and priests unto God and His Father to Him, that is to Jesus, to the Father as well. You can apply this however you want it. To Him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Now, again, I keep referring back to the condition to the churches to whom he was writing. Not the condition of how they were conducting themselves, but the condition in terms of what they were experiencing. And there's so much wording here which focuses their minds on what they need to think about. Notice this. As you're going through the battles and discouragements of life, he says to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him, and they also which pierced him, and all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him, even so. Amen. Now when he talks about all kindreds of the earth shall wail, he's not referring to God's people there. Now God has a people out of every kindred tongue 
people and nation, and he, since he has a people out of uh, every kindred and every nation, that means there's some in every kindred and nation that are not his. Now, personally, I believe God's people are the extreme majority. That's what I believe. But I believe there's a place of eternal separation, and it will be populated. And there are some people that will wail when the Lord comes back. And notice how this is described in Revelation chapter 6. Those that, that mock God now, those that uh, insult God, those that offend you by what they say about God, here's what they're going to say when the Lord comes back. Revelation 6.16, he says, And said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us, and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne, and from the wrath of the Lamb. Notice that. The wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath is come, and who shall be able to stand? See, God's glorified even by the wicked because they recognize who he is. You remember that wild gathering? You remember what those demons, those devils said to Jesus when they saw him? They said, are you come to torment us before the time? We know you're coming. I heard a man say one time that the devil knows more truth than some preachers. He believed in the second coming of Christ. He believed there were people that were not children of God. And he, the devil, his angels, his, I think they're there called devils, uh, say to him, when they see the Lord, what's, what's on their mind? What do they connect with God? They see God here on earth and they say, is it already time for you to come torment us? We thought that was way off. You know, that's the way the wicked think. They put far off the day of judgment. And, you know, you, whenever you see people, I think of this a lot on the, in national politics. When you see senators or representatives that are in their 80s, late 80s, some of them, and they're still promoting such ungodly policies, and that's all there is to their life, there are people that think that way that this is all there is and all that matters, but like these devils, you know, they said, are you come already? They didn't want to face that. We do not rejoice in the punishment of the wicked. You know, sometimes I try to think about that. Punishment that never, ever ever ends. When you think it, you know, think about how much time has passed, there's still just as much ahead. When you realize the wrath of God, you can feel sorry for the most evil, reprobate, wicked man or woman there ever has been. First of all, because by nature we deserve to be there. But we rejoice in the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. Thank you for joining us today on the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. 
I hope the message has been uplifting and beneficial to you and that the Lord will continue to bless you to grow in grace and knowledge of the truth. Join us again tomorrow for another message of God's sovereign grace. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismacool at gmail.com. That's the letter J-C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.